So a few days ago, I was in the car um, listening to the radio, as I often do, and had taken a break from Classic FM, I have to say. I was listening to another radio station, and an old Take That song came on. And it was the song that goes, Today this could be the greatest day of our life. You're singing it, aren't you? I can see you. People of a certain age are now singing it. Today this could be the greatest day of our lives. Another confession, sometimes I find myself interacting with the radio and with songs that are playing. So Gary is belting it out, today this could be the greatest day of our lives. And I have to say, I find myself speaking back to him saying, not today, Gary, not today. Because as I thought through my plans for the day, which involved a trip to Aldi, doing some washing and a bit of housework, my prayer was really, please let this not be the greatest day of my life. because that would be a little bit tragic. But as I was singing those words, it got me thinking about this passage that I was going to be speaking on this morning, that I guess if we had found Mary in the early hours of this particular day and had said to her, Mary, today this could be the greatest day of your life, she may well have thought, no, not today, not today. I'm just an ordinary person living an ordinary life in a really more than ordinary place where nothing special happens. How can anything great be about to happen? Here she was just living her daily life. She had the plan set. She knew what path she was on. She was engaged to be married to the cop and to Joseph and knew how things were going to unfold according to the plan that she had. I guess she was probably pretty settled with knowing the way in which she thought things were going to turn out. And then suddenly, in the midst of this ordinary day, of her ordinary life in this ordinary place, she has this divine interruption. The angel Gabriel comes and appears before her, this angel of the Lord, who previously, earlier on in chapter 1, we find out that he stands in the presence of God, and that God has sent him to come and appear to Mary and to bring this literally incredible message to her and he greets her he says greetings you who are highly favored the Lord is with you and Mary's a bit sort of perplexed at at this greeting me highly favored knowing that the Lord is with me how can how can that be that I would be seen by God Almighty in the ordinariness of my being And can you imagine what it must have been going through her mind in these moments as she hears this promise that Gabriel speaks over over her directly from the presence of God? All her life, she would have grown up hearing the stories of the promised Messiah. She would have grown up around the prayers and the hopes of all her family and her people who were longing for the coming of this Messiah who had been promised long, long ago to come and save people to save and to rescue people of all nations. And suddenly, in this moment, the the angel comes and declares to her, it's coming through you. You are the one that God has chosen to be the carrier of the Messiah. An author, Sally Lloyd-Jones, puts it like this in the Jesus Storybook Bible. She says, from Noah to Moses to the great King David, every story points to a child, the one upon whom everything depend. 
There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. The Bible is, most of all, a story, and she keeps on reiterating that it's a true story. And at the center of that story is a baby, and every single story in the Bible whispers his name. This is what Mary would have grown up with, this promised Messiah. And in this moment, she has this promise made over her that the fulfillment of this long-awaited Messiah was going to come through her. The nation of Israel had high hopes for generations about what this Messiah would be and what he would do, and she was going to be the one through whom this would come about. I don't think there are enough words in any language, are there, to be able to capture truly what happens in this moment as Gabriel makes um, this promise from God to Mary. But I think in it, we're given something of a picture of the nature of God and something of what faithful following of him looks like. That through this promise that is given to Mary, through this prophetic um, word that is shared, we learn that God isn't bound by our expectations or our limitations, perceived or real as they may be that actually God seems to have a far greater belief in our capability to join with him in his work in the world, that he doesn't see perhaps the limitations that we see. He doesn't look at us and go, ordinary, move on. That actually his heart sees what others don't. And he sees that capacity not to be able to do the job but to respond to it. And so this promise is made to Mary. So we learn that God isn't bound by our expectations or limitations. And we see something in Mary's response that shows something of an incredibly faithful follower. Previously, last week, we looked at the the passage that records the same angel visiting Zechariah in the temple and making another promise to him. And I think the contrast between Zechariah and Mary's responses is really intriguing. I love this story that's captured for us about Zechariah, that as we read through it, you can feel the weight of the burden that he carries. That when this promise is made to him and his wife that they will have a baby, after so many years of waiting, you almost hear in his response that sense of, how dare I believe? (laughs) How dare I? It's just too big a weight to carry. And so his response is, how can I be sure of this? And I don't know about you, but I totally get that response. After so many years of waiting... How dare he open his heart to the possibility that this promise might be true? But in Mary, we find a different response. We find another question. But hers comes more from perplexity than maybe the place that Zechariah's does. She wants to know, but how how can this be? I don't understand how this is going to happen. And so Gabriel takes the time to explain to her how this is going to come about. And her response then in Gaining this information, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary enters into this. She embraces this phenomenal change in direction that has just been presented to her. I can only imagine all the thoughts that are churning through her mind as she's picturing the life she thought she was going to have. The things that they'd set out before them, the things that they were working to. And suddenly with this interruption, the whole course of her life is going in a completely different direction. She enters into this without knowing how things were going to unfold, without knowing 
how Joseph would respond without any guarantee that God would actually deliver on his word. But with that confidence that no word of the Lord will ever fail. And she goes into this with open arms. She says, bring it to me as you have said. As many faithful people through the Bible and through history have done that, they've entered into these changes of directions that God has brought before them without any guarantee of how it's going to turn out. But with that confidence in the God who makes the promise that he will stand true to his word. And so we find that she packs up and she goes to visit Elizabeth. And if you read on into chapter one, which um, I encourage you to do if you have a moment sometime today in this coming days, she pours out this phenomenal song of praise. And actually, if you read on a little bit further, you find that Zechariah too gets his own song of praise, that actually the promise is delivered on for him too, and he overflows with joy and with praise. But Mary, in, in seeing Elizabeth and meeting together, she suddenly has this incredible outburst of praise. She sings this song that declares that the Lord has done great things for her, that he has seen her in the midst of her ordinariness. He's come, he's noticed her, and he's seen her, he has favored her. And then she goes on to say, and it's not just for me. Actually, there's this incredible reversal that God is bringing about. That all those that the world would hold up and acclaim, actually they're not the ones that get the favor of God. It's the humble, the lowly. They have his eyes and his heart. They're the ones who will get lifted up. And she declares this prophetic word, this prophetic song. She sees in it the prophetic fulfillment of words that have been given for generation after generation. She sees that the blessing that God has promised her is, um, through the, through, is the fulfillment of the covenant that had been made with Abraham. She sees the fulfillment of the promise that God made that I will be your God and you will be my people. And we see that that then from her has continued down centuries and generations and finds its place with us today. That that prophetic announcement continues to be fulfilled that God will be with us and we will be his people. We are the generations to come that Mary speaks of in her song. We are included in all the nations of the earth that will be blessed through his promise. And so Mary's declaration in this incredible song of praise connects us to her. Her song for the nations is a song of prophecy. And her song is an echo of the song that God has been singing throughout all history. And one of the names that has been given to Mary is is a Greek word called Theotokos, which just means the God-bearer. Now, obviously, that is a unique role that only Mary has played. She's the only one who has literally born Jesus. But actually, in many ways, as we find ourselves as part of the generations to come who are receiving this prophetic fulfillment, we share that role too. That the invitation is that we would be those who would carry the light and the hope and the love of God into the world around us. That we would be those that carry Christ into our communities. That we would bring his message of salvation. That he still is saving and rescuing people. That that has not run out. And that promise that was made way back then holds true today. And so as I reflect on that song, today this could be the greatest day of our lives. Well, I wonder whether for for those of us who are already following Jesus and trusting in the promises of God, 
whether we can again pause today and take that moment to open our hearts again, to notice how God is at work in us and through us, the invitation that he calls us to, to be those carriers of his love and his goodness and his justice, to be those who are willing, as Mary did, to say, I'm your servant. I want my ears to be open to hear you asking things. I'm ready to be interrupted and to change direction if that's what you're asking of me. I want to have an open heart that is, again, ready to hear your words and the things that you are asking. I want to travel through my days with this deep consciousness of the presence of God who is always at work in us and through us. And maybe for those of us here who don't yet know Jesus, um, the invitation still stands. As I said, it has not run out. God is always drawing near. And his invitation is that for anybody who will, they may come. For anybody who would want it, his love is there and can be received. That maybe today is a day of a change of direction. The word repent literally just means turn around, have a change of direction. Maybe today is the day to stop walking in our own way and to actually hear God's heart, a heart that is full of love that calls us to come and follow him. The Apostle Paul proclaims in his letter to the church in Corinth that today is the day of God's favor. Today is the day of salvation. And that still holds true. That for any one of us here who would want to receive and to know the love of God, well, God isn't short on giving that, but invites our response that we would ask, that we would be willing to, to change our direction and to follow him. Shortly, in a bit, we're going to be watching a video about Alpha, which is a course for anybody who wants to find more, uh, more about the Christian faith. And if you have questions or there are things that are stirring in you, um, please immediately come to talk to any one of us that are sort of at the front or with lanyards, and we'd love to share with you more about that. But the Alpha course is a great place to come and to ask some questions and to hear those things and to hear it more fully. Um, what the message of God is and how that was fulfilled in Jesus. But just as we finish now, I just want to use the final two verses um, of the, the beautiful carol of little town of Bethlehem. I just want to use the final two verses as a prayer for us um, as we gather here today, as we reflect on how do we have those open hearts that are ready for the divine interruptions that maybe we'll ask us where we change our path are we willing to follow where God leads? So the carol says this. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord, Emmanuel. Amen. May it be so.